I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Voice First Health, the future of health is voice. Well, hello and welcome to episode seven of Voice First Health. I'm so pleased to have you with us today. Today, I have Nathan Trelor on the podcast. He is the COO of Orbita. And if you haven't heard of Orbita in the Voice First space, you will be very soon because they are big players. And Nathan and his team have essentially created a platform for enterprise organizations to develop, launch, and maintain uh, voice applications for many different channels, what he refers to as omni-channel distribution. And so it is, uh, he's, he knows his stuff when it comes to voice first technology and healthcare. He is a, a very uh, often sought after speaker at a number of different conferences and he speaks about that. And um, it is with great pleasure that I get to interview Nathan on the podcast. So uh, without any further uh, ado, let's uh, dive into the podcast. Hey Nate, well, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Very well, Terry. Very excited to be talking with you today. Wonderful. Well, why don't we uh, start off and get a little bit of background about who you are, Nate. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, your background and um, what you do? Yeah, so I'm one of the co-founders of a company called Orbita, based in Boston. And uh, we started Orbita a little over three years ago uh, with an emphasis on digital healthcare. And we've sort of the business has evolved and, and adjusted as many startups do over the course of time. And we've landed in the space of voice and conversational assistance uh, in healthcare. And our main business is essentially a software company. We license a software as a service technology to healthcare organizations across the industry to help them take advantage of these next generation voice and conversational technologies, exemplified by things like the Amazon Echo, uh, Google Home, and increasingly um, other devices and, and other experiences, even voice on um, um, smartphones and, and, and uh, tablets. Uh, but but uh, as I indicated, we're fairly broadly applicable across the uh, healthcare industry. And what's unique about what we're doing is we are what we call omni-channel, which is just a fancy way of saying that we support a variety of different uh, voice and conversational endpoints. So you work within our tooling and our platform, you can publish out to Alexa and Google Home and all the other uh, endpoints that are out there. And in the healthcare space in particular, we've developed uh, some unique templates for the common patterns we see in healthcare, assessment surveys, uh, frequently asked questions, care monitoring and, and care plan management. Um, and you know, care team coordination and messaging, all these things in digital healthcare represent sort of patterns of engagement with patients. And we've templatized those as voice experiences in our platform. And I guess the final point to make is none of these voice applications or of any kind uh, are functional without content. And the content in the form of answers to medical questions, for example, or more sophisticated content like care plans. And so we form partnerships, for example, with the Mayo Clinic to make a high quality first class healthcare content uh, a native part of the solutions that we're helping our, our clients deliver. What what drew you to the you said you're a software company. What drew you to the health aspect of software? 
Yeah, well, um, so my co-founder, Bill Rogers, and I, we are software guys. Our background is in enterprise software. Bill, in particular, uh, had built a company uh, for software technology for web content management and customer experience management. But both of us had worked in the healthcare space, me with a uh, company that eventually became part of McKesson and Bill as the CTO of a telemedicine company many years ago. Um, so we have kind of been tangentially in the healthcare space as technologists through the years. But uh, what happened was, you know, a few years ago, this is frankly after we started the company, um, and it was one of the sources of our pivots. Both of us had the experience of being caregivers for a, a family member, an aging loved one, mm-hmm. and found out firsthand what it was like to be a caregiver and to kind of be in the in the system and in the experience of uh, the you know the in this case the U.S. healthcare system. And um, even with all the resources and support and family support and siblings in both our cases, it was hard. Um, and if it was hard for us, all we could think of was what's it like for somebody who is alone or somebody who is a sole single child trying to support an aging loved one on the other side of the country. Sure. And uh, so we kind of absorbed this and we said there are some hard problems in healthcare, and, you know, digital healthcare has many promises, but has also failed on a number of levels, particularly in area of uh, engagement and you know, you can put all kinds of devices on your family member and loved one, but if they're not engaged with the experience, it's not going to make a, a bit of difference. Sure. What attracted us to, you know, when we both had Amazon Echoes, and what attracted us to that as a concept is it's not a medical device. It's a lifestyle device with the possibility of informing remote care. And so that was the genesis of sort of our current incarnation where we are right now is sort of we we said there are hard problems we want to be part of the ecosystem that's solving that's fantastic i've i've heard some people uh comment that you know there are some devices out there that that are uh, definitely designed to help for example an aging population but the fact that that person is using that device or wearing that device it in itself is an admission of frailty whereas Something like an Echo, like you said, is a lifestyle device and everybody's got them and it's becoming more and more part of just everyday life. That's what people have. And so that's a really interesting perspective. Um, you know, I have just to put a finer point on that. My epiphany moment was um, some, uh, about two and a half years ago when I first got an Echo. I, I, I loaned it to the neighbor of my parents across the hall. This is an 82-year-old man who was... Um, blind and I gave it to him for a couple of weeks and I said I'm just curious to see how it works for you mm-hmm. and this guy was, he's pretty savvy for an, an octogenarian when it comes to technology he had a, an iPhone and he used Siri and he had audible books and all those things and I came back two weeks later I said um, how did it go mm-hmm. and he told me it, and he said Alexa's changed my life wow. in no uncertain they made that point and and I said, well, can you elaborate? He goes, well, you know, little things like being able just to know whether I need to put a coat on or take a rain, an umbrella with me outside, you know, being able to find out if the Patriots won yesterday or whatever it is, just little things like that create a connectedness to, um, to resources and information and to the world that he really didn't have. And uh, even with Siri, you know, he had to know where his phone was before he could interact with Siri. But with an, an Echo device, always on, always listening, he can engage with it, you know, as long as he's within 
20, 30 feet of it. And, uh, you know, that, you know, of course, it makes perfect sense. The guy is blind and to be able to interact with something that's just there and able, being able to be an assistant, it makes perfect sense. So that, you know, that was sort of a trigger for me to say, how far can we take this? And, and in fact, you know, when we looked at that and thought about it, we said, well, what, what is going to be the real challenge for organizations that are trying to take advantage of these technologies like Echoes and, and others? It's mm-hmm. not really, can I build a skill? <laughs> you know, because you, you can build a skill. Um, it's really, how can I do this in a way that is enterprise grade, it's secure, it scales, it integrates with my other systems, it supports business logic and, and logic that is oriented around more than just answering questions, but around care. Um, how can I bring this into other situations and scenarios like in clinical settings where I can use these devices to support clinical efficiency or you know, better care? So you know, we, we wanted to think larger about this. And, and, and what we kind of recognized pretty quickly is that the patterns for voice are very similar to the patterns that emerged when the web first came out you know people the healthcare organizations say we need a portal right uh, or when smartphones came out they said we need uh, m health or mobile healthcare applications and you know the, in the early days of the web you could hire a teenager in your html and they could put a website up for you but that wasn't an enterprise grade solution so sure. it evolved and technologies became available to support it so we're trying to be um, you know, I'll I'll uh, I'll give you a, a Canadian reference. We're trying to skate where the hockey puck is going, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Was that Wayne Gretzky who said that? That's in right. Any case, yeah. That, that, in any case, um, that's what we're trying to do with voice and healthcare is to to be there for our clients um, who are healthcare providers, payers, pharmaceuticals, um, and care service organizations, you know, the digital health organizations that are trying to tap into the power of voice, but want to be thoughtful about it. They don't want to just write a bunch of one-off applications. They want to make it, you know, for them, it's becoming a strategic imperative. And we want to be the platform of record in supporting that imperative. Yeah, no, fantastic. Fantastic. So can you give, um, give us a couple of examples of how your, how your platform is being used currently? What are the, what are the, things that it's tackling what are the problems that it's helping to helping to solve yeah well um i'll start with kind of the more the most mundane and are kind of the earliest incarnations that we're seeing um like i mentioned a lot of organizations in the healthcare space are, are kind of looking at alexa and saying how can i how can i tap the power of a hands-free voice experience such as alexa or google assistant and uh, so they come to us and say can you help us tap into this channel. And it's really almost like a digital marketing strategy. And the best example of that from last year was the Mayo Clinic, who we worked with to develop their first aid skill. So it's a skill available up on Alexa. Mm-hmm. And you can ask things like, how do I treat a sunburn and things like that. And they came to us partly because, you know, we were focused in the healthcare space and we have, um, you know, the, the, at least the skills and knowledge but we ended up using our platform to support that, which gives them sort of that omni-channel capability so they can publish the same experience to a chatbot and to a Google Assistant experience. Uh, right now it's just on Alexa, but we're, you know, we're actively looking at these other channels with them. But in any case, um, 
the use case there is really taking existing digital healthcare content and exposing it to this new channel of voice. So any of these major providers, clinics, if you go to their website, they will, some of them um, actually sell their content. In the case of Mayo Clinic, they have an entire organization whose sole function is to um, promote content that has been developed over the years by the Mayo Clinic, clinically vetted information about first aid, for example, or general health care. Sure. And you can go to their website and access it. You can go to other you know, other um, organizations who have licensed that same content and access it. So they saw, they saw voice, in particular the channel of Alexa, as another way of getting their content and even their brand out there. So that that's probably the, the lowest hanging fruit, if you will, sure. for help. Um, after that, we have a number of projects that are really around um, uh, uh, care coordination around a particular condition. So I'll give you a, a particular example. We're working with a company um, called PN Medical who makes a respiratory muscle trainer device. It's basically a spirometer, or, um, but it's designed to exercise the lung function for individuals who have pulmonary conditions like COPD or asthma. Right, great. And the idea is you breathe into it and breathe up through it, and it has resistance settings, and you can kind of manage those resistance settings. And uh, you report your progress, um, you know, how easy was it on a scale of one to 10, et cetera. And so we've developed in, in partnership with this company, PM Medical, a um, companion voice experience that guides the patient through that treatment and sort of a health coach. So a health coach as a pattern in voice is one that we're seeing pretty uh, frequently surface. Um, we're also embedded in other solutions. So we're working with major, uh, several major device manufacturers where our voice platform is sort of the infrastructure to support, support the conversational interaction. It's not necessarily an Alexa skill. It's just the, the voice infrastructure. We're tapping into other services from the major providers like Amazon, uh, like Google, like IBM. <clears throat> but we've um, kind of deconstructed the technology stack so that we can deliver uh, secure HIPAA-compliant instances, which is a big deal, as you know. Yes. Alexa right now is not HIPAA-compliant. So because we've, in our platform, we've got the ability to kind of deconstruct that technology stack. We can kind of pick and choose the technologies that are going to be part of the voice experience. And for people who have custom devices or apps on a mobile phone, it allows them to deliver that voice experience in a HIPAA-compliant way. Um, another example of that is a partner of ours called Pillow, P-I-L-L-O, uh -huh. They make a um, uh, connected, uh, um, essentially a healthcare management hub for the home. It has a screen on it, it even dispenses medication, um, and it's all voice-activated and voice-controlled, so it's sort of got this personality that guides you through care plan. Yeah, now, in the last area is in the clinical setting, I mean, in, in uh, provider uh, facilities where clinicians themselves are using voice to improve their efficiency. And the, the ultimate dream is a complete voice-powered assistant that they can use to access information in, in patient medical records in the exam room or uh, uh, surgery prep rooms. Uh, or be able to record notes. Um, we don't play so much in the space of medical transcriptions, but we do provide our technology and our pilot with a number of 
uh, providers for using uh, our voice as a way to improve clinical efficiency in, uh, in facilities. Um, we see 2018 has really been the year of pilots for these. 2019, we'll start to see these go into production. I was actually going to ask you about that because I've heard that thrown around that 2018 is the year of pilots and 2019. So your, what's your prediction here for next year? What you know? Can you comment on that a little bit more, expand on that? What do you mean by that with, with the production? Well, um, well, I think this touches on um, what I know is maybe the uh, a key topic for many listeners, which is HIPAA compliance. And um, we, you know, I don't have a crystal ball or any, any insight into the plans of Amazon and Google, but we do expect those providers and others to come to market with HIPAA compliant smart speakers. And that's going to, uh, and smart speaker based solutions, I guess is the way I would put it. And that's, that's going to open up use cases where, uh, protected health information is key to, to the experience. Um, and we, you know, what we're seeing is that a lot of a lot of uh, the providers and other services in the healthcare space are kind of preparing themselves for that eventuality in that they're doing pilots where they can kind of get away with, um, you know, just doing proof of concepts and, and proving the value proposition of voice um, in preparation for HIPAA compliance of these devices. Um, so that, that's one of the reasons why 2018 has been sort of a, a more cautious approach when it comes to applications that involve PHI. And we expect 2019 to sort of free that up a little bit. Exactly when in 2019 uh, will be determined by what announcements come out from the, the big providers, device providers over the next uh, several months. Um, you know, we have some big events coming up uh, towards the end of the year. Again, I, I don't have a crystal ball what kind of announcements will, will happen, but we expect things will happen and, and there'll be movement in the healthcare space, uh, more movement, I should say, from the big guys who are uh, trying to solve these problems around voice. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you think are the biggest obstacles, but you may have just answered that question for me. Is that is that right? Well, yeah, certainly security, data security, and privacy, uh, HIPAA compliance are uh, big obstacles for many of the, the use cases that are the most uh, interesting and potentially impactful. Um, you may just think about a voice application that's designed for care management. The, the context of that care is critical. If you're going to deliver an experience to somebody with um, you know, type 2 diabetes, knowing um, you know, how they're... Uh, their blood sugar levels are trending, or uh, A1C, I can't remember the actual acronym, but the, the um, blood levels are, are trending, is critical to providing an experience that's going to uh, either support them, encourage them, or inform them accurately. Um, very simple example is if you're trying to help somebody manage their pain after a post-discharge after some procedure or joint replacement. Um, if you ask them what their pain is on a scale of 1 to 10, and they say seven, exactly how the assistant responds to that is dependent on some information about that patient, you know, where they are in their recovery, what kind of uh, uh, pain mitigation medication they have. And, um, you know, for you, it might be different than for me. So you have to know something about the patient in order to inform them. You have to get information from the patient. So data is being passed back and forth through these experiences. And in order for it to be done securely, it needs to comply with, uh, you know, the usual security requirements that come from HIPAA and other regulatory agencies. That's, that's great. And and so the HIPAA thing is going to be a big, big uh, advancement, obviously, when it's just a matter of time, I think we can say now, but who knows when that is, but that's going to 
I think that's going to rapidly accelerate what everybody's doing in the voice space, and I'm sure uh, what you're doing as well. What about for the small, you know, the provider? Say, say, take me for example, a physician, and I'm considering, you know, I want to maybe make a skill for my for my patients to provide some medical information. Is Orbit a platform that would be good for that sort of use, or is it really more for a bigger enterprise type uh, organization? Yeah, well, um, you know, we have many smaller partners. Um, you know, I wouldn't say we have too many uh, uh, clients and partners who are individuals at this stage. Um, you know, we're an enterprise solution. We kind of have priced ourselves out of that range. Um, we do ultimately expect to see um, a, a way for our service to be available to the smaller organizations in more of a self-serve capacity. It's sort of a evolution that we are considering and looking at. You can't go to our website, sign up, and, and access our platform right now in a self-provisioning way. Um, we we do see that as a, a, a potential for our business. It's just not the case right now. Uh, we've kind of focused on solving, you know, enterprise-grade problems with larger organizations for whom the requirement is, um, like I said earlier, omni-channel. They they want voice and not just voice but chatbot and conversational experiences to be an, an intrinsic part of their digital strategy um, they care about security they care about scale performance all the things that are uh, really um, predicated on having something in place that's going to su support that i was talking with a, a client just the other day and they said I just want to make sure that you guys are able to handle the one million registered users we have mm. and uh we are. The answer is yes, um, but because we were thoughtful early on. So not everybody can handle a million registered users. Sure. Um, so we've, we've started our organization and our technology is built from the ground up to, to support those kind of scenarios. So a long way of saying, yeah, of course, we, we, we do expect to kind of move into the direction to support smaller um, healthcare providers, but our, our business is kind of focused on the bigger tier. Sure, and sure. And I, I had a question from a community member wondering about, um, like, do you have the capability to tie in your services with um, electronic medical records of various oh, types? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, without getting too much into the gory details of our platform, there's a, um, a layer in our service um, called the, uh, the experience designer. And essentially, it's a, a, a business logic an integration management engine, uh, really slick graphical tools. Um, you know, if the, any of the listeners are interested, they can, they can go to the website and see some examples of, of what it looks like. But within that framework, you can configure integration with third-party systems, including medical EMRs and uh, scheduling systems, um, even other communication systems like Twilio for sending text messages, so securely sending text messages and and other services like that, um, we've kind of codified some common integrations that we see in the applications that we're supporting. And uh, for sure, integrating with EMRs is a critical one. Great. Not just able to write to them and uh, read from them, but also to write to them. So if we're doing an assessment survey, which, by the way, is another pretty common use case, um, you know, getting uh, information from the patient, almost taking the idea of a form you'd have on the website on the patient portal to collect information maybe before a visit or um, 
you know, as part of a regular assessment, health assessment, taking that concept and putting it into a voice and a chatbot experience. That's a, quite a common use case. And we've templatized that to the point where non-medical, non, I should say non-technical people can manage the the interaction. You know, how do you, how do you want the voice assistant to respond to um, answers to questions, which questions you want to have in there, and optimize them for the peculiarities of voice. So we've got that templatized. Um, but that data gets to go someplace, right? If you ask somebody, what's your scale on 1 to 10, uh, what's your pain on a scale of 1 to 10, whatever their answer is, you'd like to be able to record that. We can be a system for storing that information, but most people want it in their, um, in their own system, in their EMR. So we would write it to an existing system. Great, great. Well, like I said uh, at the outset, I mean, it sounds like you've really got a comprehensive uh, healthcare solution here for people that want to get into the uh, into the voice for space. So, hey, congratulations on everything that you've done so far. It's uh, it's really really impressive. Um, you mentioned that you're going to be at a couple of events coming up here in the next little while. Do you want to share where you're going to be and where people can connect with you? Yeah, yeah. Well, the date of this recording is the 23rd of August. Um, next week, I'll be. At the Parks Associates Connected Health Conference, I'm participating on a panel a week from today, the 30th of August, um, out in San Diego, and, uh, related to the innovation and in, innovation in digital and connected health. Looking forward to that. Um, we uh, were also being uh, will be a, a sponsor and exhibiting at the Health 2.0 Conference in Santa Clara in September. Um, we will be at uh, another conference in October called the Connected Health Conference in Boston. And we really like that one. It's uh, sponsored by HIMSS, PCHI, Personal Connected Health Alliance. Um, and in particular, there's an event just before that conference started, a, a pre-event summit called Voice.Health, which we're um, sponsoring. It's uh, run by um, Boston Children's Hospital, sort of the pr pr premier sponsor for it and organizing it. But it's also sponsored by Amazon and the other uh, folks in the voice space there. It's looking to be a, a really packed one-day event. Um, I don't know the specific date, but it's in the middle of, of October in Boston. Wonderful. Great. So lots of opportunities for people to, uh, to see what you're up to. And if they want to connect with you online, where would be the best place for people to go to do that? They just go to Orbita, O-R-B-I-T-A dot A-I. That's our website. Uh, we're also on uh, LinkedIn under Orbita. We are on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Orbita underscore Inc. is our handle there. Awesome. Well, great, Nate. Uh, again, uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us to uh, share what you're up to. It's really, really exciting. I think it's only going to get more exciting in the next year, as we talked about. And uh, excited to see where Orbita goes and where, where healthcare goes with all the uh, voice-first uh, innovations that are happening in, uh, in this space. Thanks, Terry, and thanks for doing what you do to kind of promote uh, all the potential of this, this voice-first world in healthcare. Yes, my pleasure. All right, well, we'll talk again soon. Take care, Nate. All right, take care. Well, there you have it. Uh, thanks so much, Nathan, again, for uh, for your contributions to uh, the Voice for Space and Healthcare. You uh, are a pioneer, as is the rest of your team. And uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to speak with you and follow along with what you are doing in this space. Uh, to the listeners, uh, Nathan did mention a couple of events that he is speaking at one of which, uh, unfortunately, will have already occurred by the time this podcast goes live. But uh, the other ones still definitely are, uh, are up, up for grabs for you to go and have a listen to him. And it's worth uh, getting out to these events if you can make it. Uh, 
All the links for uh, things that were mentioned in the episode can be found on the show notes page, and that can be found at voicefirsthealth.com slash seven. And um, like I say, everything will be there if you want to learn more about Orbita and what is going on. Thank you again for tuning in uh, this week to Voice First Health. Uh, I look forward to chatting with you again next week where we have another uh, fantastic speaker who uh, is part of a company that is doing some incredible things in this space as well. This podcast is, is a lot of fun for me to bring to you. As you can see, we're getting to hear from many of the leaders in this uh, exciting area. And um, what can I say? It, it's, a, it's a real pleasure of mine to be able to do this. So I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Uh, again, for this week, just check out voicefirsthealth.com slash seven. And I will talk to you again soon. Take care, everybody.